0: What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday
1: afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're joined by Steffi Magurno from THC Production out in Vegas. We're going to get into cannabis extracts and infusions. But first, we do have to cover a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Tom and Miggy, what's going on in the news this week.
2: Busy week. Busy
3: week. I just got an email 20 minutes ago from Normal, and they say that the House Rules Committee has advanced the Marijuana Opportunity and Reinvestment and Expungement Act, H.R. 3884, which removes marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act and harmonizes the federal law with the state laws, that, like Illinois or like Washington State.
2: Yeah. But this is just all semantics, right? Because it won't matter until... theater of of politics.
3: And so it's a committee. And so it gets out of one committee. Now it's got on another committee. And then there's going to be a full House floor vote up or down. And then if you like that, don't forget to hit the the likes and subscribes to Cannabis Legalization News. Because we'll go live after the vote or during the vote. And we'll try to see who we can get on. Because this is just a link. Like, See, you? You watching this right now? Or, or listening listeners, our listeners can't participate as easily, but the viewers then, you know, it's just a link that we send out and this provided somebody has the Internet, they could come on here and we could ask them stuff. So we're going to try to reach out to our former guests. But man, that's that's awesome. It could be, it could be like today. It could be tomorrow, maybe Friday.
2: It, it sounds great, but I just like to remind people to keep your eye on Georgia, man. Like, like If you're in a Georgia, if you know someone in Georgia, you still have five days to register to vote. And if you're 17 by the 5th of January, you can still register to vote now.
3: Yeah, and then the other thing about Georgia is that there's going to be a lot of mail-in ballots because it's supposed to be in January, so COVID should still be out there. I hear that's going to be like 20 or 25 million doses of the vaccine in December and then like another 20 or 25 million in January, but it's January 5th. So, if they can vote now, I hope they are. And then uh, what's going to happen in this MORE Act vote? Because it's symbolic, because the Senate's not going to vote for it. But what if the Senate was controlled by Democrats?
2: Oh, my God, dude. That would just be a new America. That's what I'm talking about. Miss just come on, Georgia. Would be gone. It, 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 would, it would, there would be so much. Not gone. I mean, I mean, there'd still be BS, but yeah. it would be less.
3: She would not be the Senate master anymore, but it it would be very interesting to see. That's that's all pie in the sky BS. Let's talk about something that really happened this week, the UN. Mm, The UN vote. The UN vote was huge, man. Yeah, this one's been waiting for a while, too. (laughs) UN approved WHO recommendation to rescale cannabis, reschedule cannabis in a historic vote. Now, this has to do with the United Nations Commissions on Narcotic Drugs and a treaty that goes back to 1961, the single convention on narcotic drugs. And it was in a Schedule 4. And a Schedule 4 is different than uh, how we do it in America with a Schedule 1. Schedule 4 was like the bad one with heroin and whatnot. And so they they've yeah. voted on removing it from that. So that's, that's really
2: awesome. No, I, I think uh, this is going to be huge nationally, right? Like this is the reason why other countries uh, started doing the same thing that we're doing, making cannabis illegal in their country. Now we explored,
3: now, yeah. Like we, it was it was after World War II. The United States was feeling itself, and it's like I'm going to go ban this marijuana plant
2: everywhere. And yeah, they, and if you don't do it, you're not going to get any of our love. My
3: love, I mean the money.
2: Yeah, um, pretty much. That's funny. But yeah. on top of that, you know what other country uh, uh, decriminalized it or unscheduled it? What's that? Thailand. Oh, that's cool. Thailand?
3: That's awesome. Yes. Thailand removes cannabis from narcotics list. Well, I remember when we were talking backstage in the green room, uh, I used to live in Korea for a year. You've been to Korea, it sounds like, because of the Navy. And uh, don't you remember hearing those stories uh, that... If you really wanted to have some weird, crazy fun, you'd go down to Thailand because they have way more lax drug laws. And so people would go down to Thailand and lose their shit. They would do drugs. Like if you wanted to do drugs, like, you know, is there like a quintessential? Uh, what would you do last week? Drugs. That would be your
2: trip to Thailand. For the most part. But, you know, I've been to Thailand. And uh, at the time, I've been at Pattaya. And the other thing Thailand is known for, unfortunately, is their sex tourism, like some fucked up shit. Shit that's, that we that's see. what it was. Yeah, that it yeah. wasn't just
3: the drugs, they were also really lax on that. It was like weird. But uh yeah. they also have beautiful beaches, I I hear. I'm not saying anything, you know, if you if you're into that kind of drugs and, and weird sex stuff, Thailand's there, but I hear they have great beaches as well.
2: Oh no, yeah. it was gorgeous, dude. I mean, for like fifty bucks, we lived like kings, a fucking uh uh jet skiing yeah, no. and and had a little mound of beer cans around us like a castle. I mean, we're broke sailors living large, but uh, throw some weed in that bitch? Oh my god, I want to go to tomorrow.
3: Oh, man. Uh, Thailand's also where they have that form of kickboxing, which was hilarious because I, I did that when I was in Korea uh, and they would the people that taught it, they would usually go down to Thailand to practice uh, for so many times during the year. And you would see the the fights that they would have and the records for the Thai fighters. You could always tell because it'd be like 285 and 64 because they like they lived at the gym. Uh, they, they were just so poor that that's that's what they did. They got taken in by a kickboxing gym and then they uh, helped around the house or helped run the family business.
2: But it's also uh, technique because when we used to pull in the Thailand, they'd always warn like, "Don't get drunk and step in the ring," like because you know the American ego. Oh, I got this four foot fucker. No, oh, yeah. I'm
3: gonna show this little guy who's boss, and he will kill you. He will kill you. <laughs> it's yeah. true story. Yeah, I remember like trying to fight this guy. He was fast as hell, and it's like suddenly his foot would be kicking me, and I was like, "How did it get there so quick?" Boggled the mind. Uh, and then that doesn't have anything to do with cannabis legalization news, except it was uh, an anecdote. And and Thailand has legalized cannabis, or or taken steps there too. Uh, what else was going on in the in the news this week? We talked about uh, the UN. We talked about the Moore Act, Thailand.
2: Oh Tyson, let's forget about oh the, my gosh, the Tyson Thomas sports.
3: Thailand, uh, yeah, speaking of boxing, that Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson fought over the weekend, and uh, did you see the fight? I didn't pay the 50 bucks. I know a lot of people did, and you made a lot of money for charity. but I was uh, traveling. Oh, you were traveling? That's right. And I, I just I wasn't going to pay 50 bucks to watch boxing. Uh, and so uh, I, I heard that he looked good, and, he, and it was a draw.
2: Oh, I didn't hear the results, but I just saw at the end where he's all like, of course I smoke.
3: That's what yeah. I do. Uh, that's. Uh, I'm glad that we actually got uh, Miggy to do the impersonation of Mike Tyson uh, so that he could explain that he'd smoked weed before and then, of course, after uh, he boxed. And it appears that it might be a performance-enhancing drug if you're in your 50s and trying to have a boxing match.
2: But according to the Boston Herald, CBD is not a performance-dehancing drug because they said CBD doesn't matter when it comes to driving. Can we get that one. Why oh, would
3: CBD matter when it came to driving?
2: I just think if you're more chill, yeah, bro, let's, let's road rage. Let's do this. Right.
3: Right? Yeah. Actually, I could see an upside to it. You know? You're know, you not going to be freaked out and paranoid. You're going to be like, all right, well, moving on. I mean, you, I like you'll to, be fine.
2: I'd like to add in my personal study I did this past week uh, when taking my boy to Minnesota that a TAC doesn't appear as well either. This is just a personal uh, experience that I'm still studying, and uh, I'll work on a doctorate later for everybody to uh, read and improve. You have to
3: see if you can confirm your hypothesis that it's okay. And That's so, like nice. so
2: far, how many of these tests have you performed? Oh shit! In, in a ten year span? Oh yeah, with the <laughs> sample size.
3: Yeah, we can get epistemological or something on this, right? All right, no epidemiological. Yeah, over the ten years, would you say that you've done it a hundred times? Oh, more than that, my friend. Okay, so uh, uh, you're still fine. Yeah, yeah. No, i right, A watch. lot of sample sets. Just that. Just saying. Uh, but it, these are the fun things that we get to do here on Cannabis Legalization News. Get a little nerdy about it, and uh, and then talk about various aspects of the cannabis industry.
2: Well, speaking about nerdy, I mean our guest is infusing that that nerdy about as foodie as it gets. Nerds are
3: infusion. Yes, I mean the the cannabis plant is complex, and the technologies they use to do the extraction they aren't all. Well, some are some are quite old, but then what is quite old. Decades, right. Not that old. Yeah
0: let's
1: bring stephanie on hey stephanie thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me it's great to be here can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at thc production absolutely uh we're a really unique cannabis extraction company in nevada and what makes us unique is our innovative products uh there are a lot of companies producing great cannabis extracts in this state. Uh, but we do things that are catering to different niches that other people ignore or reject. So for example, we produce some vegan and sugar-free edibles for people with you know dietary restrictions. We have a line of, we were the first line of ratio tinctures in the state. So that would be things like different ratios of CBD and THC, um, each designed to have specific effects, uh, as well as the first CBN rich product in the state and a whole line of wellness tinctures that combine the essential oil from cannabis with essential oils from other plants to enhance the effect for things like respiratory function and digestive function. Uh, We also uh, partnered with the oldest and most award-winning craft brewery in the state of Nevada, Great Basin, brewing company to do the very first line of hops infused vape cartridges in the state. So that's just a very brief overview wow. of what makes us a little bit unique.
3: Now how much science is involved in all that?
1: Um, well, there's science in many different levels. Um, number one, there's the extraction extraction. I mean, if you go into our, our lab, uh, where we do the extraction, our extraction room, it, it looks like a bunch of erector sets. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, a CO2 extraction, a machine, there are rotary vein evaporators, there are all kinds of crazy distillation, uh, glass tubes and equipment took together for both distilling terpenes as well as distilling cannabis. Um, distillation is uh, the most advanced refinement that people do with cannabis. So you you pull everything out of the cannabis oil that is not cannabinoids, and that is definitely scientific. Um, you know, you have to deal with boiling points. You have to deal with um, the vacuum pressure. You have to learn exactly at what points to be uh, changing gears and changing glass uh, receptacles, etc. Um, and even the refinement of it. Uh, you know, as we've gone, we've gotten better and better um, by trial and learning and applying new methods as well as input from other people so there's a lot of science
3: and then uh it sounded like when you were describing all this science a lot of infrastructure uh you said like an erector set so your overhead if you would describe your overhead in the terms of expensive to quite affordable uh would it be uh expensive
1: um In terms of the startup cost, yes. Um, There's a high barrier to entry into cannabis. Um, It requires a tremendous amount of capital. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to start a consulting business or even I'm going to start a restaurant. It's much less expensive to start a restaurant than it is to start a cannabis company. And we're a small company even. Um, You know, one of uh, our competitors, uh, they sold their company, Evergreen Organics, and they sold it a few years back and they had Close to fourteen million dollars in liabilities on their balance sheet, um, because of the cost of starting up and how much it can be. We're a smaller company; that's not what it took to start ours, but it's still, uh, you know, in in excess of a million dollars.
3: Yes, yeah. and I and I just thank you for you know that, and I hope that our our listeners and our viewers, because a lot of them want to get into the industry, and uh, and I'm always like, okay. Let's really talk numbers here because you want mm-hmm. to start this where you're going to make these cookies or these types of things. That means that you need this type of infusion license or uh, you want to grow and create these extractions and these distillates. It, it, it's very often its own license type. But here in Illinois, it's just kind of smushed in with the growers. Uh, okay. And so you have to look at the type of operation that they're trying to open up and do it compliantly and then to do it correctly in the right way. It's not a cheap endeavor.
1: No. And then there's 280E, which I know you've discussed.
3: (laughs) Um, So,
1: you know, it's very, very possible in this industry to lose money over the course of a year, but have to pay income taxes as though you made money um, because you're not allowed to deduct mm, sales expenses. So if you pay a sales commission to a sales rep for selling your product, You're not allowed to deduct the cost of bookkeeping or accounting. You're not allowed to deduct office supplies for your operations manager. I I mean, there's so many costs and you, you can, you can't, uh you cannot deduct the cost of delivering the product to your customers or the cost of cash collection we're a largely cash industry and so rather than have our you know 93 pound sales rep go pick up money uh we have an armed guard that goes and collects the cash for us and brings it to us so all of those kinds of expenses you don't get to write them off as expenses you have to pay income tax on those expenses <laughs> unlike right. any other business
3: right yeah. and for the, i'll see that when we do because uh, uh josh and i are launching a pitch deck uh, thing so like well we'll make a pitch deck for a team and we like to break that out be like now guys this is the money that you think you see don't forget to include this and so we'll have opex broken out from cogs uh, and that can really just eat the profits of a dispensary or uh, of a because uh, yours is science and so because it's a lot of that science you have to make that product so at least a lot of those costs can be recouped so that the growers can very often they have an easier time getting around this but yes what we need in the more act which evidently is coming up I mean let, let's talk about some uh, some help uh, why don't the, doesn't the federal government have to disgorge all this money they've taken over the past <laughs> few years talk about getting the industry involved then be like hey we paid you now we want it back you know it's gonna start reinvesting and and uh, and, and fixing the war and the harms of the war on drugs is uh, IRC 280E, to be honest. I mean, that is a, a, a lead weight around the industry. And the only reason it's there is because it is. I mean, it, it's.
2: But are you talking like reparations, though? Because every time you talk
3: about something like that. Overpayment. It's a tax overpayment. Have it declared yeah. being a tax overpayment because if you know, you're taking the money, these states are legalizing it and then uh, we're still getting just taxed through the gills cuz you're not allowed to deduct any of the carry on expense the advertising the sales commissions all that stuff
1: correct uh, you know when when you think about it, it the federal government almost has a financial disincentive to get rid of 288 because they're going to make a lot more money continuing the status quo than repealing that honestly right.
3: But if uh, that's that's what the Moore Act does, it, it removes mm-hmm. it from the CSA. And so yes. if, if marijuana is going to be removed from the CSA and then there's policies in the MORE Act that says, let's fix the damage that we've done substantially uh, mm-hmm. over the decades. Well, some of the damage is quite easy to calculate because the IRS has the records. And mm-hmm. it would be very nice if all that money is returned. Yes. And, and, and why couldn't they put that in legislatively? I mean, they right, could, you know?
1: but I doubt they will.
2: What about the money, though? Well, I mean, it's not going to pass yet.
3: You see, it's yeah. not going to pass yet. It's going to pass the Congress. It's going to hit a brick wall in the Senate. Georgia's mm-hmm. super important in January. Then the industry could be like, wait a minute. What if we do put that in there? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they start paying off their uh, their their elected officials. Well, they make can- paying contributions to their elected officials. And then maybe then it would actually pass.
1: Possibly. I mean, money talks. Um, money talks. The, the only way that even uh state legalization measures have gotten through is because of treating it like uh like a business endeavor where there's a lot of money and consultants and all kinds of people who've been brought in to make sure it happens so yes if you put money behind it there is a possibility
2: yeah
1: definitely- and, you know you you talked about um social, social equity and the injustices and things. And it reminds me one of the things that's highly unusual about our company is that we are everyone who works with us is female, a person of color, or uh, somebody who's over 55. And that is extraordinarily unusual in the cannabis extraction, uh, sphere. Um, we didn't set it up that way. It's not that we said, Oh, Sorry, you're 54. You can't work for us, or you know anything like that. It just so happened. Um, in fact, we have the only head of extraction that is a female in the state of Nevada, probably one of very few in the country. Um, so that's something that we embrace. That you know we don't look at someone and say, "Well, oh, you're not the typical Canabro, so we're not going to hire you, man." You know, but we we allow chances for all kinds of different people to um, be part of this and to contribute.
2: It's funny you say uh, the, about the female-owned extraction facility. Uh, Washington State Halo Labs has a uh, female-only, is uh, a female-owned uh, extraction facility, and they're mm-hmm. great. And yeah, they're uh, working with I think terpenes and uh, some other uh, cannabis group or whatever. But always putting out good information. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, why extraction? Why did you choose to go with the extraction field, not be a gardener, say or whatever else?
1: <laughs> Actually, it it just was happenstance. Um, the there is a grow in. North Las Vegas that had a, an extraction license that they had not built out. So they, uh, uh, somehow got connected with, uh, the person who is now the managing member of the company. His name is Rick and they'd gotten connected with him and they said, listen, we've got this extraction license. We're growers. We, don't know anything about extraction. We don't want to invest any more money. How about you put up the money and the and the expertise, and you partner with us and build this out. And so, uh, I Rick, Rick and I were actually partners in a different company, uh, different industries in a startup company. And I helped him look at the opportunity and helped him start the company. I continued, you know, in my other my other business, and then uh, about. Nine months later, he came to me and and asked me to to join the company. Um, so first, I did that as the controller part time, and then uh, took over the operations. Uh, so I've been running the company for the last three years, and it wasn't something I planned. It, it just kind of happened. All of it just kind of happened. But I'm so glad it did because it's such a unique industry to be part of. Um, you know, when I when I got involved, we, the company was only medical, and frankly, I thought medical marijuana that's code for I want to get high which I was totally okay with but um, but that being said very quickly when you get into this industry you learn that the medical marijuana is no joke that that there's very real uh, benefits for people struggling with all kinds of illnesses so mm-hmm. um, so definitely something that we're passionate about
3: and that's that's fascinating and this is like a recurrent theme when we have a lot of these conversations well, you said, yeah, it was code for you want to get high. And then you actually start learning about the medical aspects of this plant. And you find out there's a whole endocannabinoid system. And then you should get upset that it's like, wait, I remember when I was a kid, this is your (laughs) circulatory system. It's your nervous system. Nobody ever mentioned the endocannabinoid system. And so if we had that knowledge, I think we would have well the laws would not have been what they are but uh we didn't know it until like the early 90s and so it's it's one of those and it's it just it it blows a lot of people's minds and I think the people that are growing up now are spoiled you know yeah. uh, and there's like oh yeah, of course we do that well yeah you're lucky right? I mean,
2: yeah if you look at the the transition of legalization right I mean first the AIDS epidemic and and mm-hmm. cancer patients were the ones proving that hey this helps us right. and then uh You know, even early in my activism online, when you and I met Tom, you know, people seem to come to you when you say, hey, this is, you're not a wrong person. When you say, I've legalized weed. Now people coming out of the woodworks, they they reach out to you and say, hey, me too. I had this one gentleman uh, in Louisiana. Uh, He was in a wheelchair. I think he's suffering from MS. But he showed me, he's like, hey, man, thanks for, I appreciate you. Look, this is what it does for me. He smoked it. He stood up out of the chair. And, you know, for like six months, I still was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is like no shit medicine, because like you said, it's that party. We're still trying to get through our heads. Like, OK, it's feel good. It's wellness. What's wrong with feeling good and well? Mm-hmm. In, and it's this is
3: medicine,
2: them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why are we so yeah. in our heads? Like this can't be medicine. This can't be. I don't know. Feel yeah. better.
3: I don't know. But, um, Stephanie, how is it being one of the few women representing the industry? Uh, what are some of the things that you think, uh, other women that are trying to get in the industry? Uh, and, and like you said, you just kind of fell into this position of leadership. What's some advice you would give to those other female entrepreneurs out there?
1: Hmm. Wow. That's a great question. Um, uh really I've been fortunate um in my life that uh you know I grew up in the eighties and Ooh. even though yeah uh you know the don't the you know speaking of the propaganda of the eighties and the you know this is your brain on drugs with a cracked egg and the just say no and you know thank you Nancy don't Reagan worry. and all that stuff. <laughs> but uh but that being said, um you know uh having grown up in that era um and you know, having come from a, a, a quote unquote middle income you know family, I had a lot more opportunities as a female than people who grew up in um, either more uh, economically depressed communities or people who grew up in an earlier era. So um, it's never even occurred to me that being a female would ever be a problem business, if that makes any sense. Um, so the, uh, and, it, and it hasn't been, um, but really the, and this relates to the advice portion you asked, what advice I would give is is um, is that if you are, if you've got a lot to bring to the table, then it's not gonna matter what you look like. It's not gonna matter, um, you know, what you your gender is, what your age is in this industry particularly, that's not true in all industries, don't get me wrong. Um, and there's definitely a glass ceiling. You can look at who's the CEO of Fortune 500 companies, et cetera, but in cannabis, I find that it is a more diverse and open-minded space in that regard. Um, so this is a great industry for women to get into and, and advance in. Um, so it's, it's really just about being confident in what you can bring to the table and making sure that you Put it out there.
2: Well, like we said in the radio show, you kind of infused your career, right? Mm-hmm. Like you took your normal day job and just kind of transitioned it over a little weed. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you're doing now is adding more paperwork to your layers of BS that <laughs> so you go through every day.
1: Yes, um, and you know the everyone in our company, half of our team doesn't actually use THC. Um, and the other half does, we've got a mix of, you know, old school stoners, um, you know, recovered cancer patients, uh, people who, uh, are a little trepidatious about even drinking alcohol, let alone getting high. Um, so like a whole mix, but all of us, um, use cannabinoids in some form or fashion, and all of us are very, very passionate about what we're doing. Um, and that has led to, You know, somebody was touring our facility um, a week or two ago and they said, you know, most companies ever since recreation went into effect, they've just Shifted everything to the recreational market and they just ignore the medical market. And I appreciate the fact that your company doesn't. And what she was speaking to isn't simply that, oh, yes, we have some medical chocolate bars that only people with a medical card can buy, but that we're producing.
3: They just have a higher degree of uh, THC in them. That's it. Yes. It's just like, oh, they could get even higher yeah yes right.
1: exactly um but she was speaking to our our tincture line uh, because you know frankly if somebody wants to just have a good time they're probably not going to grab a tincture they're going to grab a joint they're going to dab they're you know something more maybe an edible just like have a piece of chocolate um people who are using tinctures they're using it because they have a problem usually and so the fact that we have this whole product line that is a huge portion of our um of our inventory um, that is really geared towards people that have an issue that they need to solve. And that's important to us. And we're going to be continuing to roll out even more um, because that is important. And then, you know, starting the radio show, just really providing a lot of cannabis education to people. So it's really just part of our mission statement almost to, you know, make products that not only make people feel good, um, you know, on on a recreational level, but that make people feel good on a health and wellness level.
3: Yeah, I love how you mentioned it. Oh, ahead, bro. oh no, 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 I was just gonna ask about market trends. We can talk about that after your question.
2: Well, I was just say I love how she mentioned the endocannabinoid system, right? And most of her employees are not, say, flower smokers or whatever. But you learn too. You walk into the store, not everybody's smoking weed. Every, every some people like edibles. Some people will just put a little bit of concentrate, RSO, or whatever.
3: Or All donors. So CBD, okay, right. I and mean, I like to include, oh. I like, it's the plant, you know, and so the, when you, and I like, I was looking at your, your website and you have mm-hmm. uh, ratio tinctures. You mentioned that at the mm-hmm. top. Of oh, the one thing that I really wanted to find out is how do you yeah. pronounce tincture anyway? Is it tincture? Is it tincture? Is it, uh, what's the appropriate pronunciation of this? We call it tincture. Tincture. And All most right. people
1: in our state do. I don't know, maybe in Illinois, they call it something different.
3: Uh, here, I, I know, tincture. It's one of those words that you always like I just read before. And then suddenly people are saying it and then it's like, well, what is a tincture? I don't know. You know, you put it on your tongue and it usually is cannabis. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. But Mm -hmm. uh, I like how you have the whole plant aspect of it. So there is a lot of CBD. And so CBD's Mm -hmm. health and wellness and and beneficial applications are just ridiculous. And so I just think, yeah, in the future, it's going to be fairly common for everybody to be using some form of cannabis. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily for uh, inebriation like they would for an alcohol, but for some yeah. form of like health and wellness and rejuvenation. So that's really Absolutely. interesting that you're, mm-hmm. is that part of your marketing strategy then? You know, just turning it into trends more uh, because you're coming at the plant from a more holistic medicinal side. And then from that, what are the products that you're seeing uh, for 2021 that you think are going to be uh, uh, popular?
1: Um, Well, there's a difference between market trends and where we're going and why. Um, I mean, right now, flowers king, Uh, certainly in Nevada, uh, the uh, growers can't they can't grow enough fast enough to meet the market demand. Flour has just become dominant. Um, Even normally it's, you know, 50% of the market in many states. It's become much more than that um, over the last few months. Um, So that is one market trend. Um, And another market trend in Nevada is actually products like tinctures are reducing market share, Um, but some edibles are gaining market share. Uh, Vapes have gone up and down. Uh, You know, of course, when there was that whole, uh, lung scare with the, uh, black market vapes being sold with products that weren't good for you. And it was causing people to end up in the hospital. So there was a reduction in vape usage for a while and it's recovered somewhat. So there's all kinds of different trends going on. Um, but our strategy and, you know, how it relates to the market trends are all about what's unique and all about, uh, catering to smaller market segments. So we're like a craft brewery in that way. You know, we're we're not Michelob or Budweiser. Um, we are like the great base and brewing company is for beer in our state. Um, we're a craft cannabis operation. And so um, we, all the new products that we're releasing um, are things that no one else is doing or that they're, um, we've gotten customer requests for. So two things that are coming out right now, or that just came out. I I can't believe no one's done a peanut butter chocolate bar in this state, but no one's done a peanut butter milk chocolate bar. So we just did it and it's delicious. Like, I just want to eat this all day long. It's so good.
3: How dangerous of a proposition is that? Because I made these cookies over the weekend (laughs) and I think I nailed it. But like, you know, the goal was to try to make a cookie about 10 milligrams because then you can eat cookies and yeah. not like too in deep too quickly. So how did you right. do it with a chocolate bar?
1: Well, it's 10 milligrams per serving um, because that's the you know state regulated limits. Um, but really, uh, it's funny because this very thing, the fact that you, it tastes so good and you want to eat more, inspired us to make single serve, uh, little bites we call them, that are the size of you know like a Ghirardelli chocolate score. They're a full treat. So you get your 10 milligrams, but you get a much bigger amount of chocolate so that you feel satisfied.
3: (laughs) Microdose, five milligram ones, because then Mm -hmm. you could eat another one. It's only five milligrams.
1: We do have some microdose uh, products. So um, uh, our most popular product right now is our chocolate-covered almonds. We introduced that within the last year and it has just taken off like hotcakes. Um, The uh, chocolate-covered almonds we have chocolate covered blueberries, chocolate covered uh, espresso beans. So our espresso beans are five milligrams each. So that allows for a micro dose. Um, and today our chocolatier, because we do have a chocolatier on staff, he's making our chocolate covered dried cherries. So that's going to be our next new product. But you had asked about 2021 and, and big new things. The biggest thing actually is our Soul Delicious Infused partnership. Uh, you guys uh, got to audio meet ben the founder of soul delicious and uh he's had a seasoning company for 15 years selling at farmer's markets local grocery stores and he makes his own spice blends so it's not like oh go buy cinnamon or oh go buy garlic he has a vegetable seasoning a chipotle fire rub a lemon pepper garlic black and rosemary all purpose all these different blends and we're infusing them and they will be hitting store shelves in about two weeks from now and it is the first product of its kind in Nevada. And everyone we've talked to from people that run cannabis magazines to people that run dispensaries has said, this is going to be awesome because you can make anything edible. You can make yeah. your steak edible, your baked potato. You.
3: But think about it, like the problem totally with the baked potato and stuff like that, but steak, mm-hmm. uh, if it's an infusion and the, the mm-hmm. grill is fire grill. So it's like a thousand degrees or something, right? Like you, they yeah. might all burn off because it's, it's it's a rub, so be on that top la- layer. But like you know, oh, if you oh. braised it or something, so like it didn't it didn't
2: evaporate full, that smoke point. Full disclaimer: Tom's a vegetarian. Just saying. Um, oh, whatever.
3: I'm, I'm still I'm just thinking about it. anti meat propaganda. Yeah. I'm a
1: vegetarian too. So, yeah. in fact our seasoning blends that we're starting with are not vegetarian um but we have approvals for three more four more blends and one of them is vegetarian because i said nope we've got to have a vegetarian seasoning seasoning blend ben so that'll be the lemon pepper garlic but thank
0: you um, I appreciate the, that.
1: you're welcome and you know i've actually what you've just talked about i've asked our chemist to look into um because our head of extraction is the you know, master's level chemist. She used to yeah. teach distillation at UNLV, not of cannabis, obviously. Um, they don't allow that yet. But um, but yeah, so she's a chemist. And I said, you know, look into this because uh, even though heat will convert cannabinoids, there's also the time factor. So if you put something in a 500 degree oven for 10 minutes, the amount of loss that you would experience is very minimal. For example, when you make gummies, um, gummies usually... The, the liquid is very hot to get it to melt, right? And so you're putting it in this in this vat or a pot um, that's several hundred degrees, and you're adding the cannabis to it. Yet the cannabinoids don't all just disappear. So there's a time factor that also is involved. So I've asked her to look into um, this more so we can give users a guideline for you know don't put this in a very really really hot thing for more than X period of time um so it's not as it's not instant um but that being said you can make you know jicama slices apple slices um you can uh you can add it to your to your baked beans or your burrito you know after it's made if you like um and so this is great because there's no sugar in it most of the edibles are sweet on the market um and then this allows you to have a full-size treat because you can eat the whole burrito. You don't have to eat just a tiny piece of the burrito.
3: <laughs> and you could so, also, you could also uh, titrate the dose. Yes. Put more seasoning in, put less seasoning in. Yeah.
1: Yes, because our seasoning is homogenous. Um, every product in Nevada that is an edible has to undergo homogeneity testing. Um, the So, for example, if you make a chocolate bar, they want to make sure that all 10 pieces have the same dose in them. Um, And we have to individually bag every dose of seasoning um, and put a little THC symbol on it. So, we can't have just a jar of spices that you pour on. Um, It has to be individually bagged. Now, we can. The regulatory
3: compliance segment of the show. Awesome. Thumbs up and subscribes for regulatory <laughs> compliance, but thank you, Stephanie. Yes, so you're bagging the individual seasonings, and then what happens? You know.
1: Um, so before we bag it, the cannabis is already infused in the seasoning. So that means that we didn't just add some THC after we bagged it. So you have no idea, like where it is. If you're going to get it, if you only pour half, no, it's throughout. So um, so that means that you can use half the package and get five milligrams if you want. Um, so it is really good for
2: microdosing. So the package itself is the serving. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's very dope. Can you, can you yeah. talk to like the type of extractions that you'd be doing? Like I have friends yeah. that are in industry and like they can get, so I can out, like, I'm an electronics guy, everything that mm-hmm. has a light and beeps I like, but like they get into like, and Tom does too, like biology, uh, mm-hmm. uh, terpenes and then like solventless and solvent. Like, you know, I know it's a big deal to have an extraction and be able to, dissolve it in water? What kind of extraction are you doing? So there
1: are four main types of extraction in cannabis. Um, One is solventless. That is no chemicals. Then there's carbon dioxide, CO2. It's 70% of the air we breathe. Um, It's also used to extract cannabis. Uh, Ethanol, alcohol. Uh, So obviously we drink alcohol, uh, but the, the alcohol used to extract cannabis is you know 90% to 100% pure. Then there's hydrocarbons, things like butane, propane, heptane, etc. Uh we actually do 3 of the 4. The one we don't do is hydrocarbons. And that is uh for two reasons. One is that uh, we're on the second floor and any piece of equipment that we put in we have to bring up the stairs. We when we did our when we put our our CO2 extraction machine in we had to cut a hole in the roof. But, um, yeah, so there's some physical limitations and you have to put like a bomb shelter in your lab when you have hydrocarbon, they're just the weight limits, the site, we couldn't do it. So, um, the second reason we don't do hydrocarbons is that we are a little bit concerned about the leftovers. Um, so when you use ethanol or you use hydrocarbons to extract cannabis, there's some leftover ethanol or leftover hydrocarbons in the product. And you do what's called a purge. There's sciencey stuff you do to try to pull that out and um, to the greatest extent possible. And alcohol, although probably like not super awesome to be inhaling it, at least we drink alcohol you know, um, no one's drinking lighter fluid or if they are, they shouldn't be. So, um, propane,
3: hexane, yeah. All the other type of hydrocarbons that, you know, they're, they're lighter fluid, they're gas, you know?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really important when you're using those kinds of products. Um, just check the levels of, at least in Nevada, it's all listed on the lab report, the levels of residual, um, chemicals left, but, um, the and people love hydrocarbon extracts because not only is it very cost effective, but they love the flavor. Um, so I would never fault somebody for you know doing it um, as long as they're doing a very good purge on it. Um, so that being said, when we started out, we were solventless only by necessity. Um, we didn't have a CO two machine yet, and uh, and so we started out. We were the first uh, company in the state to do old school hash. So temple balls, a la Frenchie cannoli, um, oh, wow. his wow. team, um, bubble hash, rosin. Yeah, um, you, did but- mention that
3: the, the, you were doing the wa- the solventless extraction. So fascinating. Yes. So you guys were the, is there a high end hash sh- scene in uh, Nevada?
1: Um, They're starting to be a hash scene in Nevada. Um, we were, uh, you know, four years ahead of the curve, um, which uh, you know is why we, we're pushing to get the solvent extract as well because there wasn't enough market demand. And we knew that from the get go, it was brand new. So, you know, you know, it's fine to be six months ahead of the curve or a year ahead of the curve, but four or five years, you can't, you know, run your business on that. So, uh, so we were uh, so we diversified. Um, But the, there's, there's a growing market for solventless extracts in Nevada. Um, It's the thing about solventless extracts is that even though they're amazing, they're more expensive because, you get a lower yield. So if you take a pound of, let's just say flour and you put it through a solventless extract, you might get 10%. If you put that pound of flour uh through butane extract, you might get 30% yield. So um therefore just just that alone gives you an idea that the price per unit's going to be higher for the solventless. <laughs> um, yeah.
3: That's before so the yeah. manpower cost. Isn't solventless isn't that usually more difficult to make as well.
1: Yes, it is. It's more labor intensive. And um, because it's it's done by hand, even when you use machines, there's still a lot of human um, labor that has to go into it. Um, so, you know, there's, for example, washing machines, use a washing machine instead of a, a bucket and a paddle. And you put your cannabis in that washing machine, and you run a little spin cycle. Well, then you drain it, And it goes into a bucket stack with mesh bags in it. You got to scoop the hash out, and if it's not ready, you put it back in the machine. If it's ready, you put it on a tray. Then you've got to freeze dry it. Then you've got to um, to take it to like a cheese grater once it's dry. I mean, then if you're gonna squish it, then you gotta gotta weigh
3: little grams. Eventually, you have to weigh a little gram, and then maybe do you put like a little uh, a little symbol on it or something to have like a little uh, imprint that you can make that has like your logo, like oh, it's our hash.
1: No, we don't do that, but we do our packaging. um, Our EPC, we have two in house brands EPC, Experience Premium Cannabis, and OMG THC. EPC is our solventless brand, um, and all the packaging is eco friendly. So, our hash packaging and our rosin packaging, you can actually plant it in the ground and it will grow wildflowers. Um, Whereas our tincture packaging is all biodegradable or it won't grow wildflowers, but it's even the glue on the labels is biodegradable or recyclable. Um, So that's part of our environmental commitment. And so that's how we put our mark on it.
3: So like like your environmental commitment, was that a part of like your plan and your application? Did you have that environmental commitment from day one or how did that arise?
1: Um, No, it's not part of our application. It was just part of the bent that we, those of us had, who were starting the company, um, our original extractors and um, our managing member and myself. Um, so we said, yeah, let's, let's do that. And um, we've continued that. So our EPC brand is good for you and good for the planet. Um, that's the, cool. that's the the slogan that we have that's for
3: it. Brand. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh- I like that. And then that's the, an aspect of the industry that I I see often is this type of beneficial aspect. So people are going to buy your brand because it's going to then continue to benefit them even after it's not waste. It's, what did you say? It's grows wildflowers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can plant it in your garden. So yeah, the, um, And our OMG THC brand, that's our solvent extract brand. So that's where we use our CO2 extraction. Um, And we do some bucket tech ethanol extraction. Um, So CO2 is very clean, but it has the lowest yields. So um, the extracts tend to be more expensive. That's why the industry has gone away from CO2. So five, 10 years ago, CO2 was the thing. Um, But then, you know, quickly, um ethanol and hydrocarbons overtook it for the cost savings um, and the greater yields that are provided um so the co2 like i said it's very clean that's one of its advantages the other advantage is that co2 equipment is excellent for extracting terpenes um so you can really preserve those natural flavor compounds that are in the plant and it's not just flavor but as you know that that impacts how the cannabis affects you. It's that's really what makes something a sativa or an indica,
3: right? Yes, correct. We've we, she, she's done it, we've won everybody. She's just explained <laughs> the difference between a sativa and an indica, it really is just the terpene profile and the other, the other, uh. What do they call that? Things when, like, the, the morphology of the plant. So, like, you know, sometimes the plant has a oh, short, it,
0: yeah. yeah, sometimes yeah. it's
3: short, sometimes it's got the wide leaded uh, leaves, all those types of things, all those genetic diversities. That's really the difference between the sativa and the indica. It, mm-hmm. It's still all the same plant, it's still all the same THC. Uh, 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 but some of them, like the the indicas, they might have more mercy or they might mm-hmm. have more uh, liana wool which I'm not mm-hmm. all that great at pronouncing. Uh, and, it's, and it's just, that's really the difference. And, and one of them makes you more upbeat because they're just more invigorating terpenes. Mm-hmm. Do you, I've heard that like, uh, and I've never watched uh, anybody operate uh, a carbon dioxide extractor, mm-hmm. but I heard they do a certain pass first for the terpenes and then they'll come through and do another pass for the THC or the cannabinoids. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, it has to do with different settings. So with the CO2 machine, um, they're, you're dealing with temperature, and you're dealing with pressure. So the you have to have certain pressure and temperature settings that are optimal for extracting terpenes, and then certain pressure and temperature settings that are optimal for extracting cannabinoids. So, um, so that is, uh, you know, why you can't run them simultaneously, they have, you know, if you do one, when you do a terpene extraction, you're just not really getting cannabinoids out of the mix, and vice versa. Does that make sense?
3: No, no, yeah, absolutely. But I just don't uh, understand how they actually do that through the machine. I know that they have different vapor points. And so like they would get the terpenes out of temperature A and then the cannabinoids mm-hmm. come out at temperature B. But I've never seen uh, anybody operate one of these machines. I mean, I can, I've operated an e- ethanol extractor, uh, extract mm-hmm. just as like a home, you know, the, the magical butter machine device that you can buy. It's a very crude one, but that's yeah. technically what it is. You know, mm-hmm. if, uh, you could use an oil. Do you use any like oils for your extractions or infusions or or, or no?
1: No. Um, so we don't do the can of butters and things like that. Um, uh, so OMG THC, our brand, every package on it, and it's, we have a some some extracts under OMG THC, but that's where our edible line is. Every package is damn delicious. And let's face it. If you're using can of butter, it's not going to be damn delicious. Um, it's going to taste like weed. So, okay. um, so instead, we we take a distillate and infuse it into our our actual product that we're making gummies, chocolate, etc. Um, but we believe strongly in the power of full spectrum extracts, which are different than distillates. Distillates, you've taken everything out of that oil that is not a cannabinoid, and pretty much taken everything out of that oil that's not THC. But spectrum extracts have all the cannabinoids and the terpenes and the phytocannabinoids and flavonoids found in the original plant you've removed the chlorophyll you've removed the waxes and the fats and so it's a much more holistic uh a much more holistic product the problem with full spectrum extracts is twofold one when they're concentrates they're darker and people assume that that means that darker is bad That's like saying, oh, that whole wheat bread is brown instead of white. It's dirty. It's not good. When in fact, the opposite is true. (laughs) And full spectrum extracts are the same way. But the market education isn't there yet. And not enough people know that just because it's dark doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, it may mean it's better. (laughs) Um, So that's one issue. Um, in terms of the concentrates. And the other issue is that it's, it's not going to taste good. So we're actually thinking about doing a third brand. You asked for what we're going to do next year and our trends. We're yeah. actually thinking about making a third brand centered around full-spectrum extracts. And we might do more of those cannabis-infused oils and stuff. Um, it's not going to taste as good, but the effects are going to be mind-blowing.
3: Well, I mean, you could try to see if you're able to do some type of flavor preservation at the terpene-specific level, but that could be extremely difficult. You know, it might be, it might be Mm -hmm. like jumping the shark. Now you said you do use ethanol extraction though, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Bucket tech, old school, you know, um, the the kind of thing you go on future 4,200 and learn to do at home. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so we do some, it's rudimentary ethanol extraction. Um, not, you know, mass scale with a hundred thousand, $150,000 ethanol extractor. Um, so, but we do use, you know, uh, Different temperatures and et cetera in the process. Um, and that we do that very specifically for one particular product um, line, um, which is our Afghani hash. So we have solventless bubble hash, which I described, um, you know, using washing machines to um, cleave off the trichome heads of the plant, which is where all the little sacks of goodies are that people want with right. their kit. Um, but with with the afghani hash it's uh it's different so in afghanistan one of the ways that they make hash is to take keef or sift and then they'll add water or tea and work it to become taffy like almost but if we added water or tea to cannabis it would encourage microbial growth and it would fail lab testing so we don't do that mm-hmm. instead we took our own spin we took the keef or the sift And then we made a full spectrum ethanol extract. Um, So it's the full spectrum oil and we mixed it with that Keef until it had that taffy like consistency. So that's our own take, our own spin on the Afghani hash. Um, And so that's the product line for which we use the ethanol extracts.
3: Oh man, that sounds delicious. So if I was in Nevada, how much would a gram of that, uh, that hash cost?
1: Um, It depends on which dispensary you go to Um, dispensaries have a markup of anywhere from 2.2 to three. So what I mean is if they buy something for $10, they're going to sell it for anywhere from 22 to $30 mm-hmm. depends on the dispensary. Um, and then there's the 18% sales tax or re- recreational tax. Um, so, you know, you, at the places that have some of the lower markups, mm-hmm. you might be set back $40 plus tax. Um, for a half grand.
3: Okay.
1: Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find and follow what you guys got going on at THC Productions? Uh, you can go to www.thcproduction.com and that will give you links to our brands, our new product lines, our partnerships, our social media, et cetera. Awesome. And I think Tom and Mickey were on your show. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we go? Absolutely. So, uh, Ben, the owner of Soul Delicious Seasoning, uh, and I co-host a radio show each week and it is on 91.5 FM, Jazz and More, KUNB in Las Vegas. It airs 730s, uh, 7.30 on Saturdays in the morning. Um, it's actually the most popular show on the station. And we also posted on YouTube following the, following the airing on the radio. And we, per- we, we, we have a condensed version that goes on the radio because it's only 30 minutes. Um, and then the YouTube version has the full interview. So uh, we have different segments in it. So yes, uh, Tom and Miggy were great guests on the show, uh, very entertaining and interesting. I think our listeners are going to love it. Um, so if you're not in Vegas, you can actually go to TuneIn or you can go to the KUNV 91.5 website and live stream it. Um, it's it's audio only. It's not video. Uh, but you can listen to it and then um you can also if you're if you're not up at 7.30 a.m. on a Saturday, Vegas time, um, which is Pacific time, you can go to the Soul Delicious infused YouTube channel and watch that. And um, we had planned to air it this Saturday. But unfortunately, Ben had a family emergency right after we finished our interview with Tom and Maggie. And so we couldn't record the rest of the show. So um, so we will be doing that next week. And Tom and Maggie will be on the show on the uh their show will be the twelfth of December, so that's where you should—that's when you should look for it um, on TuneIn, and then around the fourteenth at four twenty, it'll drop on YouTube. Awesome! Cool.
2: Thank you so much for coming out again, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news.
1: We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks so much.